Well, good morning, everybody. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Yes? Are you glad you're here? Well, uh, while it is the last Sunday of our Teacher Appreciation Month, it is certainly not the last Sunday we are going to appreciate them. Yes, parents? Uh, I do encourage you to uh, participate in the $5 gift card drive uh, out in the uh, the foyer before you leave today. Pastor Kim and her team want to be able to distribute those to the team uh, this coming week. And so I encourage you to participate in that. And while it's our last Sunday of the Teacher appreciation. Today's the first Sunday of the Advent season. We are here. Are you excited about Advent? Are you excited about Christmas? Okay. All right. Uh, Well, I hope hope you are. And sincerely, Sherry and I hope that you all have uh, enjoyed your your Thanksgiving weekend and um, were able to spend it with friends and family and and to do all the things that you do at Thanksgiving. Sherry and I were blessed to be able to do a few gatherings and eat a lot of turkey. And the turkey was not dry this year. Praise the Lord. It's rarely dry when Sherry makes it. I should say never, right? Is that right? All right. Yeah, good save, thanks. I feel like I'm like in a fishbowl. Does it sound that way? I don't know, maybe the sound team can do some tricks or something to not make it sound so different. we are starting today uh, our Christmas series called Christmas Time. Christmas Time. And we're going to be drawing from uh, Charles Dickens' book, A Christmas Carol. We're going to be talking about Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. Today we're going to focus in on Christmas past. And uh, so to get our series started, we're going to stand together and read a, fir- a few verses of Scripture together that are going to encase the message. Let's read together. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Then let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And one more. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it brings life. I pray, Lord, today that you would bring clarity to our hearts, God. I pray that you would transform us with your truth. I pray, Lord, that any word that comes from me that makes no sense or is not of you would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But, Lord, that everything that you have for us today would be remembered and would change us for eternity. You are a sovereign God, and I am grateful for the greatest gift you ever gave us, your son, Jesus. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is... um It is Christmas time, and as we are drawing from the story, A Christmas Carol, the main character in A Christmas Carriage, A Christmas Carol is none other than Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. 
Now, I don't know if Charles Dickens did this on purpose. Uh, most good authors, uh, there's, when they write, there's more that, that meets the eye. But uh, Ebenezer, when I, when I hear that word, when I say that word, when I read that word, I automatically am teleported back to this, this story with Ebenezer Scrooge. But Ebenezer shows up actually in Scripture. It shows up uh, in 1 first, in first Samuel uh, and uh, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, uh, the story and unpackage how the word Ebenezer uh, is, is shown up, how it shows up in, in Scripture. Over in 1 Samuel, we learn that the Israelites were contending with their sin, and they were contending with, uh, uh, with idols. And we talked about idols a few weeks ago, and uh, we talked about how idols are anything that pull our focus away from God. And Israel engaged the Philistines. They engaged the Philistines hoping to win battle with the Philistines. But with their idols and their sin in play, the Philistines overtook the Israelites, killing 4,000 of their men. And so they retreated to the place called Mizpah, and they were there, and the leaders got together, and they conferred with one another. They asked each other, why did God not allow us to win this battle? And as they asked that question to each other, they also devised a plan. Now, I want to stop right here and just say, say right, right quick, there are so many times in our lives when we are in battles where we confer with each other instead of conferring with God. And when we confer with each other, we will never allow, the, the, the outcome will never end up as, as good as it can end up when we confer with each other. In fact, when we confer with each other, then we are subject to, de, to devising our own plans and our own strategies and our own solutions. And what that does is it breeds discord. It breeds discontent. And it breeds sin. But these leaders got together and they said, I wonder why God did not allow us to win this battle. And so they devised a plan instead of conferring with God. And their plan was that they were going to take the Ark of the Covenant and they were going to take it into battle with them. And so they mounted, they, they got the, the Ark of the Covenant to come down from Shiloh and they took it into battle with them. And when they took it into battle with them, they thought for sure that they were going to win. They took it into battle with them and the Philistines came after them, won the battle, and killed 30,000 of their men. And not only did they kill 30,000 of their men, they also captured the Ark of the Covenant. Israel was in a panic because of this defeat. The Ark of the Covenant made it into Philistine territory, and three different places, God, within the, pre the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, in three different places, God uh, used a plague of tumors to show the Philistines that no other God is sovereign than him. And so the Philistines, seeing this and understanding how God had moved in the past, said, we gotta get this, this Ark of the Covenant out of here. We've gotta get this out of our territory and back to the Israelites. And so they sent it back to the, to the Israelites and it ended up uh, in Abinadab's home under the care of Eleazar. And, uh, and there it was, and 20 years passed, and the Israelites would find themselves back at Mizpah in the same battle as was before. There was a difference, though, this time. Samuel said, you have contended with idols and you have sin. And if you, fall, if you will turn away from your sin and you will turn away from your idols, God will deliver you into the, deliver the Philistines into your hand. And so they got rid of their idols and they turned away from their sin and they pleaded to God and they said, God, would you please forgive us for our sin? And the Philistines, seeing them there at Mizpah, 
decided to come after the Israelites. And wouldn't you know that God fought on their behalf and Israel, Israel was victorious that day. And at that time, Samuel took a stone and in this stone at the place of Ebenezer, he called it the stone of, he called the stone Ebenezer and the, and the Ebenezer stone stands for the stone of help, the stone of help. So Ebenezer stands for stone of help. And, and Samuel said, thus far, the Lord has helped us. Would you say that? Thus far, the Lord has helped us. And so he placed this stone up in, uh, to signify that the Lord was with them and the Lord was their help. I have a question for you today. I wonder how many Ebenezers you have in your life. What are the Ebenezers in your life? What are the places in your life where God has provided help on your behalf? I want you to also understand that the battle that the Israelites fought was in the same place as it was the 20 years prior. Today, I want us to examine our past, and I want you to understand that the battles of your past will become your battles of your future if there's no victory. The battles of your past will become the battles of your future if there is no victory. We are a people who like to suppress the things of our past. We are a people who do not like to examine the things of our past. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he came into your life not to save you just from the present and the future, but also to redeem your past. To redeem those things in the past that are ugly, those things that you don't like, those things that he pulled, that muck and mire that you were in, those things he came to redeem those things and pull you out of those places and to redeem your past so that you your future can be better. God wants to address your past so he can liberate your future. God wants to address your past so that he can liberate your future. Now, Ebenezers don't necessarily always look like this. You know, I've got some Ebenezers in my life, but they, they're certainly not this tall, this big, this weighty, like a stone. I've got some Ebenezer. I want to tell you about one of my Ebenezers. You know, it is Christmas time, and I certainly love to give gifts. I love to give gifts a lot more than I like to get gifts. I, I, I like to be generous at this time of year. Uh, but as I was a teenager and, and, and into my early 20s, uh, I, while, I, while I consider myself a, general, uh, a generous giver, um, I also was really big at giving crap gifts. You know what crap gifts are? Crap gifts are things that you give to people that have no connection. The gift has no connection to the one who's getting the gift, those types of gifts. I was the person that went into like the store and got that little plaque that had that Christianese saying, and just because I had a Christian saying, I handed it to somebody, right? And, uh, and, I, would, and I would pass these gifts off to people, and, uh, and I would be so excited to give them all of this crap. In fact, 10, dec- uh, 10 years of giving crap gifts to the Meek family, uh, and just carding in gifts and carting in gifts. And, uh, and I didn't realize at the time I was giving crap gifts, but boy, they were some of the worst gifts I could ever think of to give them. And it wasn't intentional, but what it was, was I wasn't giving gifts because I loved them. I was giving gifts because I wanted them to love me. I was giving them gifts because I wanted them to love me. There was one gift in particular that was intentional. 
And the one gift that was intentional was a Chick-fil-A calendar. They used to do these calendars. It was a Chick-fil-A calendar that I gave to Margaret every single year because I remember the first year that I gave it, gave it to her, how excited she was to have it. And so every year I would have a load of crap gifts and the calendar. And I would take this calendar and I'd be so excited to give it to Margaret because she would be so happy to get it. Well, after about a decade of doing that, Margaret called me into her office here at the church. And she said, Kevin, we're gonna do Christmas this year, but we don't want you to bring any gifts. Now, I don't think she was drawing from the mindset of, I don't want another crap gift from you. But she was saying, Kevin, and she said, Kevin, your presence is our present. Your presence is our present. And I know that that is a bit cliche, and I have heard that before, but that day I heard it. That day I heard it because somebody who I longed to love me the most gave me the antidote for her love, and it was just to show up. It was just to be present. Now, I've grown quite a bit since then, and the Ebenezer in my life, some of you might think this is on my desk because of me working there in the past, but this is on my desk because it is an Ebenezer of a reminder that my worth and value is not in what I give, it is in who I am because of him. God addressed my past and it affected my future. He addressed my past and he, it affected my future and he used Margaret to do it. God wants to address your past this morning. He wants to address your past because he wants to change some things in your life. As we examine Scrooge's life, and we look at the story, the very first person that Scrooge meets after we get the intro of how odious of a man he was, is this guy named Jacob Marley. And Jacob Marley shows up in a real dreadful way as a spirit or as a ghost. And he shows up and he addresses Scrooge and he tells Scrooge that there's some things in your life that need to change. But before he can go in to getting into Scrooge's life and about the things that need to change, he has to address the fact of whether or not Scrooge believes that he exists. And he asks him this question, do you believe in me or not? I want you to understand where there is no belief, there is no change. The Holy Spirit is going to show up in your life and he's going to ask you, do you believe me or not? If there's no belief, there's no change. Romans 10 tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart, and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, then what happens? You will be saved. Without belief, there's no change. And so Marley has to address, first of all, this is not a figment of your imagination. There are some things that need to be addressed, and before we go through this whole routine, I want you to understand that what's happening in front of you is the real deal. Do you believe in me or not? Following Marley is the ghost of Christmas past. The ghost of Christmas past. And the ghost of Christmas past shows up as the first ghost in Ebenezer's, in Ebenezer's journey and she shows up, and he's frightened by her. 
And he sees her and he, she is so illuminated and he says to her, would you take your cap and would you put out the light? And she responds, what? Would you have me so soon put out with worldly hands the light I give? What I want you to understand today is that when it comes to addressing the things of our past, when it comes to the illumination of our past, we so often want to push it aside. We so often want to cover it up. Because in our past, sometimes there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of pain. And when somebody comes into our lives and they begin to talk about the past, or they begin to illuminate things in that maybe dark place, we want to put that light out. We want to stop that conversation. We want to push that person away because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. About in 2010, I went on a mission trip and, uh, and I was on a bus riding with the other pastor that was there, a friend of mine, his name's Scott Prentice. And we were driving down the road and I think what happened was that year I must have had a teacher at the school uh, decide to quit in the middle of their contract. And I'm sitting on the bus and I'm just distraught and I'm just telling Scott, I just cannot stand when people walk out. I can't stand when people's yes is not yes and no is not no. I just really, I just don't have a reservoir for grace for people who walk out. And Scott looked at me and I what I wanted Scott to say was, yeah, you're right. People should be committed. People should be faithful. That's what I, I wanted him to join in my, my rant. But he looked at me eyeball to eyeball and he said, so who walked out in your life? Wow. Wow. Who walked out in your life? And I got offended. And I got offended. How dare you try to push into my past like that? How dare you speak truth into my life like that? How dare you pry away in places that you know nothing about? Will you please let me put a plastic smile on my face and be fake some more? But you know what? Scott was my friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but an enemy multiplies kisses. While that hurt that he said that, I realized in that moment there was some residue that I needed to deal with with people, significant per people, walking out of my life as a child. I had to deal with some things because, because I hadn't dealt with that past issue, it was influencing how I responded in present time. We have to be willing to illuminate the past and allow God to do a work of redemption in the past so that it can affect, affect and liberate our future. And so the ghost of Christmas past takes Scrooge on this journey and he takes him to the three primary influences of his life, home, work, and love. Home, work, and love. The primary three influences of your life are at home or at work and, and with whom you love. And so the first place that we see the ghost take him is into the little schoolhouse. And at this schoolhouse, he reminisces as a little boy how lonely it was on Christmas Day when all of his friends would go home to be with their family. And he would be there left to his imagination and books that he would, he would consume himself with. But one particular Christmas, his little sister runs in, little fan, and says, dear Scrooge, dear brother, I've come to bring you home. I've come to bring you home. Home, little brother. 
Now, it's not very clear in the novel exactly what happened in Scrooge's past, but it is very clear that he's estranged from his father. There is a wound there. And I can imagine that all Scrooge ever wanted was an invitation to go home and be with his family. And here it was. Do you know that sometimes we so long for the invitation to go home, but when it shows up, we don't know what to do with it. When it shows up, sometimes we actually reject it because we're so longing for it, but we're so scared of what's going to happen on the other side. But I hear him to tell you that if you get an invitation to come home, you need to take it because God will be with you. Jesus came to reconcile himself to us and to reconcile ourselves to each other. The the reconciliation work of Jesus is not just to him, but it is also to one another. And so there's an invitation to come home, an invitation to address the wounds of the past. But it's obvious, so obvious in the story that those wounds are not addressed because of the idol that begins to be fashioned in Scrooge's life. He doesn't want to go home, or he doesn't. I don't, know if he, I don't know if he doesn't want to go home, but it doesn't seem like he wants to go home because there's pain, hurt, and rejection. Then the ghost continues on, and he enters into the workplace, and we're introduced to a character called Fezziwig, and Fezziwig is a joyful, wonderful employer, And to Scrooge, who is a very hard worker, Fezziwig says, no more work tonight. No more work tonight. And so he says to his friend Dick and 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 to Scrooge, he says, get up and stoke the fire and let's have a celebration. Fezziwig represented a healthy work life balance. There was working with excellence. There was working with excellence, but when it was time to stop, he knew it was time to stop. He was an employer who took care of his employees. See, we struggle a lot with work-life balance in this day and age. And a lot of times we put that on the employer, but it's not necessarily the employer. The main culprit is finding that your worth and identity is found in who you are instead of what you do. Your worth and uh, and identity is not found in what you do. And when you place your worth and identity there, you will work yourself to death because that is where you find yourself. But a good, healthy work-life balance is understanding that you can hear from the Holy Spirit about the things you're supposed to pick up and the things you're supposed to lay down, the things you're supposed to say yes to and the things you're supposed to say no to. As a good employer, employers should list out the expectations up front and stick to those expectations. And employees should not waver from fulfilling those expectations with excellence. Work should never supersede your home life. Work should never supersede your your love life. Work is important. Work is what we do. But it doesn't define who we are. And so Scrooge had an example in front of him, an opportunity to learn what it was like to manage employees, but he didn't learn the lesson because of the idol he was fashioning in his life. The third place that the ghost takes Scrooge is to a woman named Belle, a woman named Belle who was deeply, deeply in love with Scrooge. But she was not in love with his wealth. She was not in love with his work ethic. She was not in love with anything except for him. 
and he could not repay the love to her because his focus was elsewhere. And so out of her love, she was able to release him and say, may you be happy in the life you have chosen. How do I know that Belle loved Scrooge? How do I know that she loved him? Because in the novel, it doesn't say Belle loved Scrooge. How do I know? Because love knows how to let go. Love knows how to let go. The greatest gift that you will give anyone is love. And love doesn't shy away from truth. Belle was in a place to speak real truth to Scrooge, but he was not ready to listen. He was not ready to receive the truth of the things that he needed to change, and therefore he left and he lost out on some of the most significant memories, significant things in his life that he could have had, primarily a family and joy and peace. You know, truth comes packaged in a variety of forms. We don't always like the way that truth comes. We don't always like the way that it's packaged, but it comes in a variety of forms. And sometimes, like I said, we don't like the package. Israel's packaged truth came in the form of defeat. Scrooge's packaged truth came in the form of these ghosts. And I don't know what kind of package your truth comes in. But when truth comes, you have the responsibility to do something with it. You have the responsibility to do something with it. And so my question that I would like us to ponder today in Advent 1 is a simple thought of, could this Christmas time be different than the past? Could this Christmas time actually be different than the past? What are the wounds in your life, the hurt, the broken places, the dark places that you've not let anybody come in and see, that you've held close to bay because it's dark there, you're afraid of what you might see, you're afraid of what you might uncover? What are those places there that might rob you from enjoying the gift of Christmas? Jesus came and he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. But so often we reduce Jesus at Christmas time to nothing that but a manger in the middle of all of this distraction. And we do the cute things and we do the cute stories and we play the cute songs and we'll skip right into January and nothing will have changed. But Christmas is significant because it marks an abstract representation of an Ebenezer that came into our life. A place where God said, I want to help you. And so I will send my son, Jesus Christ, and he will live an impeccable, perfect life for you, for you. When you get saved and you ask Jesus in your heart, the whole picture is that he wants your whole life. But here's what I've discovered over my limited time with the Lord. What I've discovered is, guys, it's not really about the hurt. It's really not about the pain. Your battle's not really the pain. It's not really, the battle's not really the brokenness. The battle's not the people that have caused all those things. 
The battle's not the people who are broken in your life, which you do have broken people in your life. Don't you know that the person sitting next to you is broken? They are tore up from a floor up. Some of them don't know it. And some of them you've been placed in their life to let them know. But the packaging's important. But it's not as important as the gift. But all this brokenness and all this pain in this world cannot compare to the joy and glorious riches that we have in Christ Jesus. And I believe that the Lord wants to liberate you from that past, that past mistake, those past wounds and those past hurt. But like I said, it's never really been about all of those things. For Israel, it wasn't about the fact that the Philistines were stronger or braver or better warriors than them. What the real battle and the real issue is, is that we have succumbed to another God. We have succumbed to an idol out of those places and we do not go and rely on God fully for our help. God wants to fully be our help in times of trouble. He fully wants to be your redemption. He fully wants to provide help to you in the time of your need. So I wonder if this Christmas time, it might be a time to erect an Ebenezer in your life that would say, God has helped me. God helped me from my past pain. He helped me from my past struggle and relinquish the idols and the places, the sin areas in our lives that have held us captive for so long. I don't know what Israel was expecting when they went into battle with the Philistines because they had idols in one hand and they had God in the other. And they said, God, I expect you to do this for me. Guys, we can't go into our battles holding on to our own vices and holding on to God and expect him to do something. God wants to fight on your behalf, but he's not going to share the throne with anyone. This was a glorious gift that he gave, that he would come in human form, that he would come as a baby and walk this earth, human flesh, just like one of us, feeling the hurt, feeling the pain. The Bible tells us that he was tempted in every single way, yet he did not sin. He did all of this as a gift to us, but yet we reject the gift and we just rejoice over the package but the gift is ours to access. The gift is ours to access. Let me tell you, Jesus did not come to give you a better life. He came to change your life. And if you will tap into the access that you have of the supernatural power of Jesus Christ and you will let him transform those past things, then you will live a better life than you've ever lived before. God is so faithful and he is enthroned on the praises of his people. And we come in there every week and we praise him with arms lifted high. and We rejoice in the Savior. We rejoice in this Jesus who came. But I'm asking you, friends, have you truly let him change your life? Have you truly let him infiltrate the parts of your life that you've held on to? Or are you continuously fashioning idols of bitterness and anger and hatred out of those deep places? Would you let him touch those places today? The Holy Spirit will change your life. And perhaps this Christmas time can be different than any other Christmas time before. So whether it's your home life, it's your work life, it's your love life. Jesus wants to be the center of it all. 
and He will be the center of, the, of it all if you'll let Him. If you'll let Him. So would you stand with me this morning? And we're going to acknowledge this morning that Christ is to be magnified in our hearts and in our lives. And I'm going to ask those who might be willing to come and pray with those in the room. Maybe the Holy Spirit this morning is tugging on your, your heart. Maybe when I started to talk about brokenness and pain of the past, maybe there was something inside you that went, that's me, God. I don't want to go there. And God's saying, today's your day to come. Maybe there's an Ebenezer to be erected today. That would be a place where you can remember at Christmas time, 2022, God changed everything. Where are the Ebenezers in your life? He is our help. He is your protector. He is your God. And he is the greatest gift. The greatest gift from the greatest gift giver. Why don't we access him today as we worship? Let's worship.